Hello everyone and welcome back to the Pumpkinhead Podcast. Did you guys miss me last week? Because I definitely missed you. This week we're going to be talking a little bit about what it means to have, I guess, good representation. We're not going to dive too deep into it because when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about this week, I had a few different ideas and the more I researched and tried to set things up, the more I realized that I didn't want to have this huge, serious discussion right now. I wanted us to do something a little bit more lighthearted. So while we're going to be talking about representation, specifically um, LGBTQ plus representation, it's not going to be a very heavy episode. Um, it's just going to be a few feelings, thoughts, and suggestions. So I want this to be fun and entertaining. Um, quick note, I did put out on my Instagram, um, but just in case you didn't see, obviously last week uh, we didn't have an episode and this week's episode will be delayed. Um, but I do want to start doing mini episodes kind of in between when I have a thought or an idea that I want to share with you guys and get your opinions on, but I don't necessarily have a full length episode in mind. So be on the lookout for that. It'll pop up. A lot happened while I was gone. Of course, we had the Tonys, which I would love to talk about, um, and just various things that I kind of wanted to discuss, but didn't have a full episode. So those mini episodes will be happening more often. I've also been talking to um, a few different people about potential collabs, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and thank you guys for being patient with me. I've been traveling and working a lot uh, related. Um, so getting this on time and everything was kind of a struggle, but I'm very excited um, to talk to you guys today. So here we go. Another thing before we dive too deep is last week for the Mabob, I mentioned the, I believe it was the Witch King for our book recommendation. (laughs) Something of note, this was kind of the topic that this episode was going to be about before I changed it, but something of note is that book is Own Voices. I, like I said, I kind of wanted to do this huge list because I was thinking about all of the media that we've been getting all of the lgbtq media that's been highlighted lately and a lot of it were written by women more specifically white women and when i was thinking about that and just like the whole culture i came up with this idea for what we're going to discuss today but also i was like i want to celebrate own voices and what does that mean you know um when it comes to your identity It's so specific, and I feel like you shouldn't have to say, hey, I'm bi, hey, I'm fluid, you know, whatever, to publish a book. But at the same time, when a lot of the shows that are being picked up on um, Netflix, you've got Heartstopper, for instance, um, you know, it feels kind of like, okay, but what's going on? And then it gets even messier with that because... Um, Alice Osment, who, by the way, I love Heartstopper. I love the comics as well as um, the show. I was watch- reading Heartstopper on Tapas. Huge fan. Don't get me wrong. Oh, everything I'm about to mention, I'm a fan of. But, you know, she identifies as asexual. So then you start to get into these this Olympics. Like, is that enough? Is that enough to qualify for her to write? or, you know, draw this comic about gay males? I think yes, but, you know, 
Then we've got Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Um, the Eleanor and Park by her, which is its whole other can of worms, are about to be made into a movie. And so I feel like she's getting more publicity again now. And so it's like, you know, is that okay? All of these things, right? But then you have situations like um, Simon and the Homosexual Agenda, which got turned into a movie. Uh, Love, Simon. And then now you've got the spinoff on Disney. All of that jazz. And they people outed the author because they felt like, you know, she she wrote Simon and she wrote Leah and the Offbeat, if you guys don't know. And um, I want to say her name, but I know I'm going to say it wrong. It's it's Becky or I don't know something. But um, a lot of people were talking about that when that got popular and were like, why is she writing these queer stories? Because Leah and the Offbeat uh, centered a bisexual character. And then obviously Simon and the Homo Sapien Agenda was a, a gay character and they outed her like she was forced to come out to justify her writing so I the more I thought about having a episode dedicated to own voices the more I realized that the whole situation is kind of odd you know and I'm not 100% sure where I even stand on it so I kind of wanted to gear away from that kind of look at representation and think about representation and what we quote unquote deserve with it so deserve is a weird word right um because I feel like a lot of things aren't deserved they're earned but at this point in time I feel like us in the community the once again LGBTQ plus community have earned the right to be represented um for so this is coming out it's not coming out on Juneteenth. Juneteenth has passed. So this month in general, June, I take a lot of, no pun intended, pride in being who I am because there's a lot of different elements to highlight during this month. Now, of course, this is another topic that I was going to go on to and decide not to. There is corporate, you know, rainbow washing and also with... (laughs) Juneteenth has been a holiday for not very long and we're already getting what like ice cream flavors and napkins it's crazy but you know or um sorry federal holiday for not very long so I do understand that aspect of the month can be you know tiring but just in general the opportunity to celebrate being who you are and how far you've we as a society and people have come even though obviously the line hasn't been completely crossed into full acceptance but just being able to celebrate that and and feel comfortable and all that is very exciting and with that we're seeing a lot more lgbtq plus <laughs> i know that's already an abbreviation but i feel like i need to make it even smaller but um we're seeing a lot of those stories come forth which has been amazing i a few years ago right before the pandemic and even during the pandemic i was watching a lot of booktube like a lot and in the space if you will there's this big push for diverse writing and I started getting very nervous right because I read what I read and I was like am I not reading enough about this experience or this or whatever and feeling like I gotta keep up because the the community itself can be a little bit toxic honestly in pushing forth certain things like you have to read this literary novel or this deep discussion in order to understand blank blank experiences and you have to have diverse reading and you have to do this this right and I was doing that 
purposely, right? I was seeking out books based off of their diversity purposely. And then I, last year, I realized I already read these things. I already live this experience. So why am I pushing myself to diversify just to diversify? Not because these are things that I want to read. I hate literary fiction. Or, you know, for instance, one of the books was The Hate You Give, which is important and interesting. But I, I live that story, you know? I don't want to read it again when I've lived it, you know? So my thought on media and diversity and everything have have been fluid and changed and evolved. And with that, I feel very comfortable where I'm at with the books that I'm reading, with the content online that I'm consuming. And I feel like I'm consuming it in a real genuine way for the story's sake. And in saying that, in saying that I am reading these things for the story's sake and for the people that have created it and liking it and all of that, I have to admit, y'all, I have to admit that a lot of things that I like are trash. They're bad. And that's okay, right? We've, I feel like we've talked about this before. It's okay to like bad things, right? And in saying that too, it's okay to have trashy, you know, LGBT plus stories. I feel like when you're talking about diversity and seeing experiences put on screen or in novels, um, although I do feel like books have been doing it longer than, you know, television, but seeing the, those things in media you, there's this feeling of having to be perfect. And it, it's very interesting because the way that media handles diversity is so mirrored to how it happens in life. You know, you feel like you have to be the quote-unquote perfect minority, it's been called. Like, because you're different in this way or that way, you feel like now there's this pressure to be perfect. Um, comparing it to my to my real life, right now... I am working very, very hard at my job, and I feel like I am doing a lot of things, but I feel like I'm not as seen or heard as my colleagues who are white, and I, live, I work in a primarily white company, and even though I'm running and working hard and doing what I need to do and, and going above, I still feel like I'm running in place to catch up to someone who is standing, you know, and the media and their feelings on diversity seem to be reflecting the same struggle, whether they know it or not. Anything that gets shown on, you know, Netflix or Hulu or whatever the case may be, the numbers have to be spot on. It has to be number one. Right now, if you're on Twitter, if you're specifically following me on Twitter, hello, um, it's just all about getting Netflix to recognize that First Kill, which we'll talk about more later, but First Kill is as justifiable and needing of a second season as any other show on their platform. A lot of people are saying, okay, this show's been out for a few weeks or two weeks or whatever the case may be, and 
X, Y, and Z show got pushed before this. And what's really disheartening is that a lot of people are comparing Heartstopper, which was really good, really fun, and had seemingly a bigger budget as well, that got promoted by the company, got pushed forward, and has already been renewed to First Kill, which is also based off of a book. It was based off of a short story by V.E. Swab. Um, and Heartstopper, of course, as I said, Alice Osmond. Um, it's cheesy. It's really fun. I just finished it last night. It's really fun. And it's for the kids. Both of these, I think I'm enjoying them, obviously, as an adult. But I think both of them are really good for younger audiences as well in different ways. But it's not giving, given the same love. I'm one of those, like, weirdos that loves to go and go to Netflix, like, what's next, um, section, and, like, save everything that even sounds remotely interesting. So, that's the only reason I knew about First Kill before, is because I, like, what's coming, like, what are, what's being added, blah, 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 all of that stuff, and, you know, but it, wasn't because of promotion or hearing about it. It wasn't until the show came out and word of mouth and the spaces that I am in that I heard other people recognize this show. And it's just been kind of disheartening to see the battle of getting this type of representation. Now, that in mind, I said Heartstopper was good. It is. It's very cheesy. <laughs> I was, and I mean this literally cheesing, smiling, cheeks hurting, the whole time watching it, there were cringe moments where I was like, oh, and like I watched it on my couch and I'm like cuddled up and I'm like, I feel like I'm 13 watching the show. It makes having these different stories makes the romance genre feel new. I'm, you know, and it was very cheesy. The acting was really good. Um, they brought in a lot of visual effects from the comics, which you're either going to like or not like. I, I, it, my opinion changed from episode to episode, but it got renewed. Boom, bam, done. Another thing to note about Heartstopper, because I have seen people that haven't watched it speak against this, but it does have a lot of other representation. And being someone that's already read up to where we're at in the comics and everything, um, there, it's going to own only get better. There's just going to be more um, representation going forward, uh, mental health representation, just different uh, sexualities as well. Um, it also features, I don't think this is a spoiler, but it features a interracial uh, lesbian couple in the show. There's a variety of skin tones in the show as well. Of course, the main two characters are still two white boys, but it's setting up a stage for other stories to be told and then first kill lives in a space that i feel like we don't get to see often a lot of times where we do have queer media and you know it's about the coming out it's about the hardships of coming out it's about how hard it is to be gay or to be a lesbian or bi or pans or whatever and those situations and how tough it is and you don't get to just be right so the conflict in first kill is it's not that we're seeing a interracial again but interracial lesbian relationship it's that this is also interspecies in a way because and this is not a spoiler like it's it's in the um what is it the description but 
the main protagonist, Juliet, is a vampire, and the other, the secondary main protagonist, or secondary protagonist, however you want to word it, uh, Cal, or Calipi, <laughs> I could, I heard it for eight episodes, I still don't 100% know how to say it, but Cal is a monster hunter. This show is so ridiculous and so fun. I, as you guys have known, as I have mentioned in almost every episode, that feel like it feels like I am watching The Vampire Diaries. I am still in the middle of season five. It is taking years off of my lifespan, but I will finish this show, and we will talk about it. But this feels like The Vampire Diaries, but so much better. And yet, somehow, the CGI is so much worse. And I am eating it up. I wish... it It's eight episodes. Like I said, we're still waiting, as of right now, at least, as I'm recording this, for it to be picked up for season two. Um, it had a pretty low budget, and yet it's getting views all over the place. I think that Netflix is... Mine, this is my conspiracy theory. I think that Netflix is purposely not announcing that it had a second season or is, or is withholding that information because of the campaign right now for so many people to watch and rewatch it. Netflix knows that it is, un, you know, unfortunate to watch, but it is a dying platform right now um, as other things are entering the streaming sphere. But I think they're purposely letting people do these rewatch parties, which is a big thing right now. Um with First Kill specifically, so that it can boost up their numbers and their ratings and their watch times and all this stuff. And then they'll probably announce season two. That's my conspiracy. We will see what happens in this space. But these two things, Heart Supper and First Kill, both out on Netflix, both huge properties with LGBTQ, well, semi-huge, I guess, Q representation pitting but they're being pit against each other and people are saying you know oh first kill is too sexual right who is this for it's cheesy it's this it's that once again y'all i am in season five (laughs) season five of the vampire diaries this show the vampire diaries had eight seasons two spinoffs and it's freaking ridiculous i i i keep telling my friends I don't know if I'm genuinely enjoying watching this show or if it's just a full-on hate watch. I really cannot decide. It is living in my brain rent-free. I hate 90% of the characters, but it's fun. I love watching the show. I love when when they play a song that is exactly what's on screen. I love how over-the-top dramatic it is. I love how unhappy everyone is. It's just, it sits in my brain. It's so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's good. And that is what First Kill is. Plus, we get an interracial lesbian relationship. And other queer characters exist within the show and it's normal being gay is not the biggest problem of the show and that's fun it's fun it's fun to see and it's adding new dynamics it's so freaking cheesy y'all the cgi is so bad i am enjoying every single second of watching it or i was the theme song the first time i heard it i was like this is the dumbest song i've ever heard in my entire life by episode eight 
I was jamming out to that song. I love it. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's camp. It's everything I could need. And that's exactly the kind of media we need. I keep seeing this being said, and it's coming up because so many people are like, why do you guys want this show? It's not good. Why do you want Heartstopper? It's cheesy. It has this. It has that. And I'm just using these two because they're big in the discourse right now. Obviously, there's other LGBT plus shows out there right now. Um, I mentioned uh, the Love Simon spinoff, Love Victor. That's on Disney Plus, which hello, Disney Plus. We also have, if we're talking about just representation, on Disney Plus, there's Owl House, which is really good. We had She-Ra, we had Legends of Korra in the animation spirit um, as well. There are things that are existing out there. I'm just focusing on these two because they're so popular right now. And I feel like this is the direction we should go. I know that sounds silly, right? Because, and we'll talk, when I talk about the Mabob, that is a a very good show that I will later represent, like, in a lot of different ways. But I feel like true diversity means that we are allowed to greenlight shows that aren't 110% perfect. The representation as far as, Two people, two silly little teenagers in these cases, falling in love is what I want to see on my TV screen. It make, It's what makes my cheeks, like, hurt because I'm smiling so much. It what makes my heart pitter and feel like I'm in high school again. I didn't get to have that experience. I wasn't out until I was in college. I didn't get to have that experience in my life. So seeing this is not only good for future generations to normalize that it's okay to be weird and funny and and be in love or, or like or whatever the case may be. But it's also in a weird way kind of healing because this show is cheesy. It's over the top. It's exactly how I would have been at that time. It's the exact kind of show that I would have eaten up if I was able to see it. And, you know, I have the John Green disease, I have the Disney disease, I have extremely unrealistic expectations when it comes to romance that I'm trying to work through, but I feel like it adds, you know, it adds a little layer of um, charisma to to me, I think, and... All that I've seen, all of this romance that I love, it's one of, as we've discussed, one of my favorite genres right now, and I look for it in everything that I read or see, I it's all been one shade, right? It's all been, for the most part, for majority of, of what's been out there and what I've been able to consume, it's been straight. It's been, you know, just one thing, and the vast excitement of falling in love, the full spectrum of what we're allowed to have, it, it's now being brought into the mainstream before, like, you know, you read the same LGBTQ plus things from the same top 10 lists and, you know, you'd have to really search and find your own stuff and do your own digging and, you know, talk to other people that read these kind of things because not everyone does or is, you know, interested in it. And now I have so many things on my book shelves. I have a Goodreads list just dedicated to just purely wonderful queer fiction that I've read. I'm seeing it on my screens without having to purposefully seek it out. It's just here and it's great and it's fun and that's the kind of normalization. That's the kind of 
diversity that I want to see. It means specifically to me a lot too that both of these things, Heart Software and First Skill, have not just gay representation, but diverse like POC cast. That it's not just the same story that we've been seeing and it's allowed to have flaws. I think that I love First Skill for all of its cheesiness way more than if it was just straight up serious like oh you know because that's kind of what's tearing me down for the vampire diaries i don't feel like the vampire diaries especially for its time cgi is that bad but oh my goodness (laughs) like it is dragging on and one of my least i'm about to get flack for this one of my least favorite characters is caroline but i feel like if caroline and bonnie were a couple i might have come around you know (laughs) it feels more like my life Just genuine, easy peasy, living my life, diversity, these people exist, here they are. I love when shows too nowadays just use they them pronouns and all this and it's not discussed in the text. It just is. It's the flavor of life that is realistic. People aren't just this one thing. Life is diverse and we're finally starting to see that and it's okay that it's not perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be, you know, just like you, listener, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the model minority or if you're not, then, you know, the model person, you just have to be. And that's what I'm excited to see on the screen. That's what we quote unquote deserve. We deserve to have stories in which we just are and they don't have to be perfect they don't have to be the best thing ever they don't have to be life-changing you know it has to just exist be there and be fun you know or or not if if it's a drama but like I'm just tired of the only type of like stories being the most saddest depressing stuff you've ever seen the most cinematic over your head stuff you've ever seen you know, just, you know, a white girl falls in love with a white girl and just this falls in love with this and it's just like the same. No change, no flavor to the life, no, you know, nothing. And, and this is exciting. It's really exciting. And I hope that you guys give both shows a chance. I love them both, like I said, for different reasons. I think they mean a lot to a lot of different people. Same thing for different reasons. And because we're on this channel book nerds or at least a little bit both of them are based off of you know stories so um like i said before heartstopper is based off of a graphic novel or comic whatever it's a web comic i don't know really know how to say it because now they're bound i don't know but you can find it in either bookstores or on tapas or on webtoon i started reading it on and i don't know if i'm saying this right t-a-p-a-s I started reading it on Tapas, moved to Webtoon, now I have the physical copies. All of them are perfectly fine. I do suggest you read it because it is fun. Um, and I just love the way that she drew Charlie and his little dimples. Or, and or, watch the show. Read um, Victorious, read anything the East Swab actually. Um, but specifically you can read the short story. I think it's in a collection of short stories. Um... And that can be found, you probably find the short story alone online, but you can find the Bound Up book as well. Um, I just finished reading Her Villains. We talked about that in my villain arc 
um, episode, but very good writer, very interesting takes, um, and a very, very good, bad show. It's a great bad show, actually. Um, and you can probably binge it all in one day if you really wanted to. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about Irma Bob, and I will hear from you guys later. Okay, guys, so I know that this whole episode was about not feeling like we have to reach a certain standard cinematically or in storytelling in order to have a good story, but this show is cinematically just so good. And since we're on the trend with Netflix and not knowing if we're going to be picked up for another season... I thought now is the perfect time to bring up Sense8, which was unfairly and unjustifiably canceled. Um, They picked it up to give it an ending, but it didn't go the full plans run. I do think the story is beautiful from start to finish, and it doesn't quite feel like it just dropped off by having the lack of a fulfilled ending. But Sense8 is essentially... A really intense, leveled up version of empathy. Um, it's a story that has a bunch of different uh, main characters, a lot of different intertwining stories, and just a lot of feeling. The main premise of it, and I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. Main premise of it is that these people are quote unquote all birthed at the same time, so they all share the same emotions, the same memories, feelings, they can, uh, that can kind of vary in degrees as far as what that means. It's beautifully shot. There's a lot of good stories within, like, the overarching plot. Um, I believe it was two seasons. I watched it a few years ago. I think about it all the time, though, and there's a scene that... There's just one scene, I believe it's in the second scene, that has just stuck with me. Just the way that it was shot, the level of care. It's a very sensual scene, I'll say that. But just every beat in that scene was so... It it just has care to it, the show. And that's why I say I feel like it's leveled up empathy, obviously, because they feel they're connected, they feel each other. It's got sci-fi elements, it's got some... LGBT plus representation and it's it's beautiful. It's a absolutely great show. I cannot tell you a single other thing because I feel like I'd be getting into uh, too much of spoiler territory but definitely check it out. Beautiful, unfairly cut by Netflix. This is what's wrong with them. Um, but overall, great. So since 8, also please stream First Kill Please watch Heartstopper and please read both of their original context. Heck, while you're doing it, go ahead and throw in Love, Simon and Simon and the Homo Sapien Agenda as well. They're, that's not my personal favorite story, but it is really good and it's helped a lot with um, the community and everything as well. So all that to be said, I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thank you for talking to me. Uh, stay tuned for the mini episode and yeah bye